There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. You so often hear people saying, being a parent is hard, but I wouldn't change it for the world. But you don't often hear people admitting that they don't enjoy being a parent. And I wonder how many people secretly think it, but don't say it out loud. My guest today is Lauren Derrett, and she freely admits that she doesn't enjoy being a mum. Lauren is the author of Filter Free, a book in which she shares the stories of a selection of women, women who've experienced adversity, things like domestic abuse, rape, divorce and miscarriage. Lauren is also a mentor, the host of the Life Unfiltered podcast. She's the founder of the This Girl Is Enough community and she's also a mum of six. In this episode, Lauren chats about why she doesn't enjoy motherhood and also why she has so many kids for someone who doesn't enjoy motherhood. We also discuss the need for living a filter-free life, how motherhood is represented on social media, how we often feel validation through how many likes or comments our posts are getting, and how we should be wary of jumping onto every drama that we see unfolding on social media. Here's what Lauren had to say. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, my love. Um, okay, so tell us about your family life. You're a mum of four and a stepmom to two, aren't you? Absolutely. What's yeah. that like? Oh, come on, hell on earth. <laughs> um, step parenting is more challenging than actual parenting, and actual parenting is really challenging on its own. I've never hidden the fact that I don't enjoy motherhood. You don't enjoy no. motherhood? No. Okay. Um, and when I say that, I mean I don't enjoy the responsibility. I don't enjoy the job okay. part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I always say that it's testimony that how much I love my kids is that they're still here and we're all still fine. But the job that comes with those kids is not natural to me. I really, really struggle with it. Yeah. Um, the biggest part of it is responsibility. Yeah. I'm shit with responsibility. So. But if you think about it, though, there aren't that many other situations in life where you suddenly have that much responsibility mm. just land on your plate mm. and you don't really have any proper training or preparation for it. No. And you can't, it's like, it's like going for the, the job interview that promises everything and then you're not enjoying the job, but you can't leave. Yeah. So you're stuck. And, and I must I'll admit, I've felt trapped so many times. I've had the, 
the fantasies of doing a Shirley Valentine and just changing my name and moving to Greece. But then the head kicks in. It's like, you can't live with them, you can't live without them. But yeah. the actual role of motherhood I find really unnatural to me and really hard. So to then bring in another woman's kids, it's just like mind-fucking-blown for me. So your your oldest child is... 22. 22. Yeah, 22, yeah. And your youngest is five? Six. Six. Yeah. So for something you're not enjoying... I know, right? <laughs> you keep doing it. I know, I know. I think I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, next time I'll get it right. Next time I'll kick in. And um, it's it's still not. I mean, as individuals, as people, they're incredible humans. And although it's been challenging and we've had ups and downs and me and my son fell out for a long time, you know, I wouldn't change them mm. being part of the planet, but the role that comes with them is is hands up too much for me. Mm. You know, thankfully, when I got pregnant with Ace, I said to my husband, I can't do this full time. That's what broke my last, well, my first marriage, you know, if we're going down the mall. But that's what broke my first marriage was full-time motherhood. I just couldn't do it. And mm. for me, it was the idea of having every other weekend off that was the driver between me leaving my husband. It backfired, sure, because they, he ended up having them half the week each. But when I got pregnant with Ace, I said, I know I can't do this. So he's very hands-on. That's good. Very, very hands-on, thankfully. Yeah, that's really good. Mm. Um, and yeah, and also kind of heartwarming that even though you find it so difficult, you still can see these amazing humans that you've yeah. created and obviously feel no regrets whatsoever. Oh, God, no. No, I don't. I don't think there's any point to regret, is there? Because you can't change anything. You know, you are kind of... I've been through the process of, oh, God, why did I do it? But then I do look at them now as, you know, adult children, the oldest two, for sure. And I've got one who's travelling Europe at the moment and one who's setting up his own business. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I can't claim that as mine, for sure, but I can look at them and think, that's what I've brought to this world. Yeah. And that is... That's huge. And also that you have found something incredibly difficult yet still helped to mould and shape these people yeah. who are doing incredible yeah. things. Yeah. I mean, what an achievement. You must you must feel like, yes. Yeah, there is. I'm getting a little bit of payback now. It's taken a while. <laughs> because quite publicly I shared with me and my eldest son, when he tried to pull away, I lost my shit for real. A whole year of utter hell on earth for me and he moved to Australia for a year to mm. physically remove himself and that's that was me changing um and because I just I, I don't know it all got, got a bit fucked up I kind of used them for so many purposes because I wasn't being fulfilled in the role of motherhood I think I was like using them personally to validate me in other areas mm. and then he removed himself um but yeah it's motherhood is I think it's okay to say that you don't enjoy it. But so many people don't admit that. Because of judgment. Yeah. Because society's expectation of us to all be loving every minute of it. And yeah. it's actual bullshit. And I'm quite happy to put my head above the parapet and say, I hate this. Now, my older kids know that about me. We've had those conversations. But they are also unquestionable in my love for them. Yeah. They know because they feel it. It's a thing that they feel. So... They're, I think for mums, often they equate how they feel about motherhood with how they feel about their children. For yeah. me, I've managed to separate the two and say, right, okay, in my own head, for my own sanity, I'm willing to say I hate the role of motherhood and all that it brings, but I love these humans that I've created. And I think that gave me peace and that took off a weight of guilt. Mm. And, you know, I share that message because for some other mother, she might hear that and go, oh, my God, it's okay to feel like this. Yeah. So what other kind of coping um, mechanisms did you put into place to get through mm. motherhood, you know, up until this point? 
Oh my god! I think definitely I need a lot of time out. I need a lot of time out, and I think, in all honesty, I haven't mothered full time alone. Well, full time really for. Well, when did Darcy's fourteen now? And she was one when I split up with her, their dad, the, the older three. Um, so I had them half a week for the whole of their life, which meant I had my own life aside from that, um, and that made me a better mother because I had that break. As far as Ace goes, yeah, I put a lot of the responsibility onto my husband as well because I'm the, I'm of the mindset that you know he's a shared human. Yeah, if of we're gonna. We need to share the duties as, yeah. as much as physically possible. Both of you are, you know, you, you co-created him. Exactly, so. exactly. You know. Uh, yeah, so to coping for me is definitely time out. And also distinguishing that I'm independent of my children. You know, that's another tough one for mothers to think that, you know, we're like, oh, they're another part of me, they're a part of me. They're not. Yeah. However much we want to we believe that, I think now having older children, I realise that they're not. And it's okay for them not to be because that's where they'll go and flourish yeah. and you take that step back and enjoy that. So with Ace now, doing it differently now, I've had the experience up to 22, um, I'm very mindful that he sees me as a human being, as an independent. I'm very mindful that he sees me do my work and, um, you know, live my own life. And he that's normal to him. And I think that's really important for both of us. Yeah. So, yeah, having my own thing is my coping thing for sure. That's brilliant because so many, I think, a lot of people listening probably would feel guilty about wanting their own mm. time or their own space mm. and... For many people, you're right, that is how they become a better parent when they are there with their kids. And I think what I learnt from Stan, I've learnt so much from my eldest son, so much, because I mothered according to society standards, even though it was completely alien to me and I I felt like I was contorting to this expectation. What I've learnt from him is, when he freaked out, when he was like 18 and left for Australia, he was just like, why does everything have to be so fucking perfect with you? Mm. Well, because that's what society expected from me as a mother, that Mm. I gave you this perfect life. Um, That hasn't done him any favours. And Stan's taught me so many things about mothering that I'm I'm playing it differently with Ace because of that. I know it's important. When I told Stan that I was setting up a business a few years ago, he was just like, Mum, I'm so pleased to see you having something for yourself. Because I'll tell you this other tidbit that he told me, which blew my mind, was I felt so guilty my whole life that all your life was about us. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid. So he felt guilty? Yes. Wow. He felt guilty that the only pleasure I got from life were them. That's a big ask yeah, of a child. Like, you're my, you're my everything. Yeah. My validation's all wrapped up in you. But also, that's kind of amazing that he's that perceptive, that he would even look at his mum and think that, because so many kids mm. don't, like you say, don't see their mums as being a person in their own right mm. who would, you know, who should want mm. any kind of other validation. So that's... I mean, that's twofold. That might be because he's from me and I'm a deep motherfucker. Yeah. Or it might be, it might be because... That's no bad thing. No. Um, he is very deep like me. Well, yeah, he does like to pick things apart like me. He's very intuitive, which is good. But it might be because he had that distance from me, because I wasn't their mother for half the week and my life continued, yeah. that he might have a bit more clarity around that topic. Yes. But, you know, we can show that to our kids, that we are independent people. And I think with Ace, it's a really beautiful thing with Ace. It's quite scary to do because it's like that um, kind of like breaking that umbilical cord mm. can feel quite scary if you're reliant on your child for validation or anything like that. That can feel quite scary, but actually it's so empowering. And to teach your child those lessons is another gift, really. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's quite interesting because that kind of reminds me of a um, conversation I had with Susie Ashworth on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were talking about how so many people parent in the moment mm-hmm. and how she was talking about how she parents with a real view to shaping her kids. Her, that podcast was incredible because I had never thought of it like that. And I've been doing it a long time. And I know she was talking about her stepson as well, so, yeah. which is really interesting because I know Susie before and after stepson. And she's handling it magnificently. Mm. Absolutely. And I, I feel that that's kind of what I'm doing with Ace now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to... I see... You never imagine that your little kids are going to be grown up. So it's very hard to understand why it's so important to make them viable for the world that is out there. Yeah. And why wrapping them up in so much cotton and everything is not of benefit to these people. You know, they have to understand boundaries. They have to understand that not everything's going to go their way. They're going to have to understand they have to work for things. So I think we're doing them a disservice by hiding them from that. And I think what Susie said was absolutely right. We need to mould them into the human, the adults that they are going to become, whether we can see it now or not. Yeah. It is what happens. Yeah. It's just really fucking hard to see that when they're playing with the Play-Doh. Yeah. To imagine it. Yeah. But yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about social media. Mm-hmm. And how we all present ourselves on there. Because you talk about this image of perfection, don't you? Mm-hmm. And obviously you, you talked about it in terms of motherhood already. Um, but even just in terms of life and how we live our lives, mm. there is this image of perfection that is being projected on social media. Um, and you talk you talk a little bit on, you know, on your blog and in your book and uh, on your own social media about harm, how harmful that can be, mm. don't you? Yeah, I think it can be harmful. I'm very mindful that obviously it's not going to be harmful to everybody. When I'm talking about my message about um, this expectation from to live up to society standards, I'm talking about it from the women who their whole world is social media. You know, there are people, I know certainly in my tribe, there are women who don't have a social life outside social media. That is their representation of the world. And I think it can be quite damaging when the only thing they're seeing in, is that everybody's just having a wonderful time. Mm. Um, I know for me, especially when I am struggling mentally, um, that's the first thing that pisses me off. <laughs> it's just like, oh, go and have a bloody lovely day then. You know, my world's falling apart. But I, on the flip side, having listened to other people's versions of it and having my message being responded to by others I can understand that not everybody wants to have and it was a podcast you've done with someone actually it might have been Lucy Sheridan but not everybody wants to have all their all their bad stuff out there not everybody's strong enough to be able to be that vulnerable and I say that strength is vulnerability um and I get that as well Mm. so I kind of when I'm sharing my message I understand it from all sides but my main message is is like I think we are starved of connection as people and I think the connection is dropped out because what we're seeing is a lot of false lives that we can't relate to, that we can't connect with. Because when I share a post that's like real grit of life, they're the most interactive posts. People are hungry to see other people living normal lives. That is where the connection sparks. And, and it's been proven so many times to me on my account for sure. If I put on a beautiful post, picture of... It's been done a million times. And people are like, yeah, I've seen those pictures and keep scrolling. And then they'll go, oh, my God, I've not seen that picture. And it sparks that connection in them like she's like me. Yeah. And it's the connection that we need. It's a shame, though, isn't it? Because it feels like like social media exists to create connection. Yeah. Yet we've kind of taken it to a place where it's, it's working against us and... 
you know, the way that it's being used mm-hmm. is almost means that that connection is being lost. God, just, yeah, it's just, um, I think, are people feeling, I'm wondering, this is a question, are people feeling that they need to keep up with the, the um, speed of social media now? Because we know that an Instagram post is lost within 10 minutes or whatever and all of this. So they're posting more regularly. Yeah. So they've got no content to post and it all just becomes benign shit. So people are being fed constant benign shit that they can't relate to, so they're seeking more. Do you know what I mean? It seems like this big snowball. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I don't know if you're going to touch on the whole <laughs> controversy around Instagram. I'm quite happy to talk about the controversy around Instagram. We can talk about right anything now. you like, Lauren. Well, I just think that some, these platforms are being misused, in all honesty. I think it should be a place where, you know, there, there is place for political debate, there is place for... Um, class wars, there is place for all of that stuff. I don't think a social media that has been created to connect people and to open conversations is the place for those kind of conversations. I think they can be done on a million other platforms. They can be done privately. They can be done aside from that. And I think the problem is when they're done so publicly is everybody else gets swept up in it. And I think that's really unfair. So, 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 so what you're talking about here is um, a few um, instances recently where you might have had a few people who are on Instagram, bloggers, um, Instagrammers, who have been quite publicly criticised for their opinion on something or... Um, and and you spoke about this the other day on your Instagram where you've witnessed a bit of a pile-on sometimes where people mm. will just, you know, almost like pile-on and attack that person. Mm-hmm. Um so you don't think that it's the, it's the right platform no, to I be don't having think that conversation it's the right platform at all? I think it's really unfair. I am not down with public flogging for whatever the cause. You know, the, the people who who do this, and I, you know, it is bullying at the end of the day. I'm going to call it what it is. It is bullying at the end of the day, and innocent people are getting dragged into it because all the facts aren't out there. Um, and I just don't think that this stuff as grown women needs to be handled in that way. Mm. You know, I I shared on my stories the other day, I'd done a story and I used a word that was quite offensive, but I didn't realise that that word would have offended anybody. Um, and one of my amazing followers, thank God, messaged me in the DMs and said, that was really mega offensive what you just said. And I was absolutely mortified. I felt sick because it was not intended in that way. It was a flippant comment. It was stupid. I apologised profusely and I said, I'm taking it down. I took the story down straight away. And I felt her pain and I acknowledged her pain. You know, if somebody says something that offends you, go and teach them. Don't publicly slag them off and drag others into the mess. Teach them. Because now I've got an awareness of that. And I've learned something. And I said to her, thank you so much for accepting my apology. And that was it done. Nobody else got dragged into it. Nobody was publicly flogged. People weren't judged on class or political stance. It was just a conversation between two grown women that was resolved in the blink of an eye. I think that's good because that that person obviously realised that you had made a mistake. Mm. You recognised it. You apologised. You addressed it. And then you moved on. Yeah. And I think that that is where the problem lies when people aren't given that opportunity. So it's a case Absolutely. of, you know, um, you if, if that person had publicly called you out on it mm-hmm. and said to you, Lauren, you are clearly, you know, a horrible person mm-hmm. because you've used that word mm-hmm. and nothing you can say right now is going to change my mind about this. Yeah. I'm going to tell everybody how yeah. awful you are. I mean, 
and not even giving you the opportunity to come forward and explain or apologise or whatever. There's a lot of that going on. Yeah, at the and I just want to question why. I mean, I done that post the other day, like trolling. I, d- I just don't get it. Why would you feel the need to do that? I think, for what it's worth, my my take on it is that as much as the people who are behaving like that are definitely doing it for the greater good so they believe that they are um you know patrolling instagram and pulling up people in their bad behavior and writing the wrongs that they are seeing out there Mm -hmm. i also think that perhaps there is an element of enjoyment being had over you know calling people out and catching people out there seems to be a power to it for sure yes there's a power to it um and it feels a lot like um people are getting a buzz because my question is is like what is your gain from Mm. doing this your message has been lost way back your message was lost when you threw the first punch Mm. because nobody can hear over that noise and if you just have a conversation um like we did actually Alison over the old influencer gate that I created yes you know you were one of the first ones to reach out to me and say let's have a conversation about that so you, you you did some stories a couple of months ago where you talked about how you had been to some events um, that bloggers and influencers had been at and you were really disappointed by how some bloggers and influencers reacted to you mm-hmm. that perhaps you approached them in a friendly way and said hi and they dismissed you and weren't interested in having a conversation mm. so you did a series of stories didn't you yeah about how disappointing this was yeah and I've learned so much from that see again because the women I, I had this rant was it a rant? It was a rant, wasn't it? I think I was obviously having an off day. Maybe I had my period. I don't know. But I had a bit of a rant. And then there was a handful of influencers who just approached me directly and gave their side of why it might have come across like that. And then with that information, what I had to do was think, OK, so one, maybe I reacted. Maybe I was expecting too much. Two... They are human beings and, you know, we're not all on the ball every five minutes. And to be fair, I've been stopped in the street myself and I've had the same, I've done the same thing. And I come away going, oh shit, why didn't I give her a hug or why didn't I make more conversation? But it's so strange to be stopped out of context. Yeah. And you just, so I've had to take my part in that. And I've learned more about myself in that, you know, I shouldn't be expectant of. Although I still have certain things where if it's a paid ticketed event and you've paid to go and see particular influencers, then I think in that capacity, that's their job on that night. Yeah, they're there working. They are there and they should mingle and not stick within their their friendship circles. I agree. So I think I learned that there's a lot more to it than that. And I've I've been watching for a long time about like how it all works and, and I've learned a lot and I'm open to sharing that, that, you know, there's more sides than just my side that's cool yeah imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, like you say, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people are, are learning about and, you know, is trying to, trying to get it right. Mm. And no one is being taught a masterclass yeah. on how to behave on Instagram or, you know, in, in this world. Mm. It's tough. It's messy out there. I don't know. What about the hashtag ads? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's still ongoing, isn't it? It is, I yeah. I just think it would be... I mean, in terms of my teenage daughter, she used to be a massive fan of Zoella and Alfie. And I wasn't very happy with that because I don't think... They, well, they don't represent normal 20-somethings. No. It's way out of off-kilter. And also, I do think, and I'm going to say it, I think she rips off daughters like people like my daughter. 50 quid for an advent calendar. You know, it's just taking the blatant piss out of your audience, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So I've kind of swayed her away from that because she was watching it. And there's a part in the book where I shared where she texted me from upstairs saying, I'm really sad because I don't know what I'm going to be. And I'm um, and so-and-so on YouTube knew what she was going to be at 13, and now she's a multimillionaire. And I'm just like, babe, this isn't real life. So there there isn't enough accessibility to real life, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And especially the impressionable girls, because they're coming up buying everything they see. They, they b- believe it. They buy into all the Zoella stuff. Yeah. Not just physical products, but, like, the, the life that she's selling them. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because it feels like, in, in the kind of mum sphere... Um, we've got a few people coming through, quite a lot of people coming through who are trying to deliver that honesty. Yeah. But perhaps in that younger kind of teenage market, you haven't got that yet. You've still got, you know, just the Zoellas of the world who mm. are showing this glossy, yeah. kind of fairly unobtainable lifestyle. Yeah. So yeah. it feels like maybe there's a gap in the market for wow. some realistic teen <laughs> idols to be, you yeah. know, making videos on YouTube. I mean, even, like, body positivity, like, she was having a real issue with her body. She's, like, a size 8 to 10, for crying out loud. I'm like, what size do you think you should be? This Mm -hmm. is how ridiculous it is for our girls right now. So um, I showed her Ashley Graham on Instagram, and she loved her, and she was following her. And She's a plus-size model, (laughs) plus-size. She'll probably be, like, a size 14 or something. Yeah, she was. (laughs) Um, It's bullshit. But um, she was following her, but then she came to a point where she's like, Mum... You know, I said, but you love Ashley Graham. She's like, I don't actually, because her life isn't real either. Because right. she's, you know, she's still having this amazing Hollywood life. Yeah. Just in a plus size body. So where's the relatability for yeah. our next generations? I think it's really hard for our adult children now because they're giving up before they've ever even started because they're just like, well, I'm never going to be that or that or that or that. So I might as well just stop now. That's kind of terrifying, isn't it? It's really terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, so your book, Filter, F- Filter Free, mm-hmm. um, it feels like it's a bit of a reaction to all of this. Do you see that that's a, a fair analysis? It totally was. <laughs> what, what, what was the point that made you think, right, I'm going to do something about this, I want to write a book? So what you've done is you've gathered stories, haven't you, yeah. from different women, and it feels like you are presenting an alternative view to women today, uh, you know the, the the reality for women. Yeah, 
because well the, the thing for me was when I um, shared my story of domestic violence on Huffington Post and after I shared it like within hours I was getting emails from strangers women um, just connecting with me saying oh my god this is my life or oh my god that was my life and you don't see people openly talking about domestic violence as much as you should considering how much it goes on yeah so again with the connection thing when I put the blog out that was quite brutally honest um women jumped on that and then I had women sending me other stories about oh my god my life I get a lot of dms from women sharing their life their life experiences because there's nowhere else for them to put them because of the expectation on them as women let's not forget that women fought for the vote and we've got to we can do everything women can't we well, I don't want to do everything, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> I feel the pressures of having to do everything whilst I'm on my period, a real ball ache, and I don't want to do everything. I want to lay in my bed and eat cake. <laughs> but, you know, this, like, the raw side of being a woman that every woman is experiencing is not being represented. And I know it can get caught up in, oh, we don't want to see all the misery all the time. We don't want, we don't want to see the ugly. We don't want to hear about women being beaten because then we might have to action something or it makes us feel uncomfortable or, you know, it is uncomfortable topics. So I, I put it out there on my social media. I was just like, right, do you know what? We need a platform for you women whose lives are being dictated to because of the stories you've, you've gone through or the experiences you've had that are now you're defining everything let's get rid of them let's put them out there for the public to pick apart to do what they want with so that we can free ourselves from this and just move away and within nine months that book was written and published because women just flocked to dump that shit and to move on and we had we all had quite a journey doing it but from the I'm obviously still in contact with all the women and they've all said that that's released them from that shame that's amazing so what kind of stories have you got in there tell us a bit about the some of the stories that you've shared yeah i've got quite a few in there i've got obviously my domestic violence one i've got miscarriage because that's not i don't think that's represented enough either um there's rape stories here's the interesting thing about the rape stories the three rape stories that i've got in there i knew each woman independently and they knew all knew of each other we were all part of a social circle not that met up but like online social circle mm-hmm. and not one of them three women knew that about the other one and they all had rape stories now i'm sitting there with these three stories that come in from th- from three friends of mine that i didn't even know about and i met i messaged susie actually and saying because she knows them too so it was like oh god what do i do with this because i feel like if they just knew about each other so i just messaged them independently and just said i know we both know someone shall i hook you up and i did and that created that connection for them so there's the rape ones there's ivf there's same-sex motherhood which is a really interesting one because you often don't take into consideration the very when they go to the nct classes she gets put in a group with the dads of course i mean hell on earth right no one wants to be put in that group (laughs) so things like that that just um there's self-harm there's alcoholism there's motherhood there's just a there's just women Mm. sharing these stories um, but it isn't a book that will bring you down and make you feel like the world's shit. It's a book that says, look how bloody strong we are. Look what women are going through all day, every day. And also, you are not alone. And, you're, you know, your stories don't define you. And what kind of reaction have you had to the book? What kind of feedback have you had from other women? I'm amazing. Most women read it in a day. Um, because it's not that thick, thank God. It feels like it, it might be too heavy. It, it's very easy to, to, to uh, digest. It feels like, yeah. and also because of the way you've kind of um, structured it, you quite easily kind of flick through yes. it and kind of dip into yeah. different bits. Because there's lots of trigger stories in there. 
There's mm-hmm. lots of trigger stories in there, and I'm quite aware of that. So they are um, categorised, so you can skip past it, um, and that's fine. But the, the response from women has just been that, like, uh, I'm not alone. You know, oh, I, a lot of them even, I didn't want to say this, but have started opening up as well. Yeah. And when we start offloading this stuff, it frees us up so much, it's unbelievable, because I hid my story of domestic violence for eight years. I was carrying that through shame, through not being able to connect with the stereotype that I knew of domestic violence and with myself. I didn't identify myself as someone who was with domestic violence. Just a multitude of things. I didn't want people to take pity on me. I didn't want to become a victim. I didn't want to become a statistic. All of those things, I'll just carry on with life. But it just eats away at you. And it could actually become you. Because shame grows in the dark. So, you know, it's better to just get it out. And you've also created a bit of an online community, haven't you? Mm. So you've got This Girl Is Enough, which... Is, did it start off as a Facebook group? It just started off as a blog. But yeah, I did start a community group, a free group on Facebook that just went over a thousand women within months. Which kind of just shows the demand for oh, such that connection. Yeah, there was such a need. And because I make it a really safe space and there's no judgment allowed because I just don't think one human's better than another, mm. quite frankly. So yeah, it, and then it's kind of snowballed. I'd had the group and then the book came. And then it's just kind of snowballed and I've ended up now that I'm mentoring women and, you know, one-to-one and in a um, members lounge that I've got on Facebook, which is a kind of group mentoring sessions, which is really nice because we all learn from each other as well. And I think when you're in a group and someone stands up and says, I feel like this, then that gives the other one permission to do the same. Yeah, that's really good. There's real strength in that. Um, I've seen a fair amount of criticism recently towards the whole women supporting women kind of movement. Um, And people saying that, you know, be nice is used Mm -hmm. to keep women down and to silence women. What's your take on that? Because I've seen you kind of... I feel like you're a bit of a champion of of that movement... Mm -hmm. Um, so I wondered what your take on my take on that would be be nice take no shit okay be nice to yourself (laughs) I'm all about you know when you start being kind to yourself and being nice to yourself then your strength comes and that can move you forwards in your messaging or in your life even to create boundaries and stuff like that but it all has to start with yourself um I'm I'm fair I think I, I see it just as a human race. I don't really see the divide because I choose not to, which is ignorant in some people's eyes, and, you know, that's fine, that's their opinion. I don't think there's any harm in being kind, but I I think you've got to back it up. You know, it's easy to throw around, oh, I'm a really nice person. Well, let's see some evidence of that then. You know, yeah. be nice then. Yeah. Be nice. Um, and kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of if you see somebody behaving badly in your eyes online where does that be nice kind of you know uh mantra come into it is it okay to question people mm-hmm. or should you just be nice and step no, back and ig- ignore ignore what you're seeing no you can challenge people but be nice when you do it 
that's the whole part again about open conversation. Don't just scream and point in my face. Let's have a conversation. I am well open for people challenging me. I am well open for people telling me that they didn't agree with what I said. We are not supposed to agree with everything everybody says. That's that's just ridiculous. That, that's the beauty of this diverse world, right? Is that we've all got our own opinions and that we should be allowed the space to share them. Yeah. So I don't think it's a case of dumbing people down and saying, be nice. I think it's just saying, okay, well, we can all have a difference in opinion, but be nice when you open the conversation around it. And what would you say to people who perhaps say that's tone policing and we shouldn't be, you know, you, you should be allowed to question what, you know, what you're seeing in any way that you see fit. I think, in all honesty, there needs to be a bit of tone policing because you can't just go around shouting at people because they don't agree with you. That's ridiculous. It's just not human. It's not in us as humans to behave that way. And I think I, I would always wonder where it was coming from that someone would want to behave like that. Um, yeah, I just don't think it's necessary. I, I think people should watch their tone. I think they should consider other people. Um, and I don't think there's any harm in saying that. I think you can't just go stonewalling someone and bawling them out and calling them all kinds. It's, it's not the way to behave, is it? Be nice, be nice. <laughs> just be nice about it. You have your conversations, do your challenges, all of that stuff, disagree with people, but just be bloody nice when you do it because it's another human being. I guess that's the thing, isn't it? And, and quite often it comes down to, you know, the kind of messages that we're giving to our kids as well. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're quite often telling our kids, yeah, you, you don't have to like everyone mm-hmm. in your class at school. You won't always agree with them. But if you have got a problem, try and source it out amicably, which I guess we kind of Why forget that, do don't that? we? Why can't we just do that? I mean, what's the harm? I think people as well are so, like, fear not being liked. This fear of not being liked, it's out of control and I'm not sure where it's come from. Actually, I'm okay with not being liked because I like me. Yeah. And that's the, that's the only validation I need, quite frankly. And I also know that the world is so beautifully diverse that if they don't like me, the woman sitting next to me might be perfect for them. So go and sit with her. That's absolutely fine. I'm okay here on my own, you know. And then when you've got that kind of mindset, when you you do that work on yourself, which is the kind of work I do with the women that I work with to get them back to themselves, you have this toolkit inside of you that is ready for anything. And you don't depend on outside validation. You don't depend on likes and follows. You, you know, you just self-contained. And when you're in that space, everything that is in your life is a benefit, is a bonus to you. I think that's the, I think that's a really brave attitude to have, though, as well, because... Mm. You know, the whole kind of validation and likes and, you know, you, you know, you post something on social media and you definitely look, well, I look and see how, how, oh, how many likes that picture got. And, you know, if I meet somebody, I might be a bit like, you know, afterwards I might look them up on social media and be like, oh, wow, they've got like... Really? 30,000 followers. And what would that mean to you? Well, this, this, this is my point, is that it shouldn't mean anything. <laughs> it really shouldn't mean anything. And it's kind of bonkers that we're in a place in this world where it does mean something. Because whether you've got 200 followers on social media or 200,000, mm-hmm. you're just a person. Exactly. And, you know... I would rather get to know that person they know how many followers they've got. Yeah. Because you know what? They could be someone with 10 million followers, but they could be a complete arsehole. Yeah. So I can't get caught up in the number game because it's not representation of that person. Interestingly, I once went to an event and met a person 
there was I I think I got there before anybody I knew you know um, was used to arrive um, so I just got chatting to some people um, as you do and um, there was a person there who seemed quite put out that I didn't know who this person oh. was and it was only later on when I was I think I was looking through like the hashtag of the event because people obviously you know when you go to some of these sort of PR events you might post on social media and use the hashtag and it's quite easy mm-hmm. to then identify who, who these people are afterwards and this person had like like hundreds of thousands <laughs> if not maybe like a million followers on on this social media Shame channel. On you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's why they were really put out. Well, they still shouldn't have been put out. Because they I didn't know who this person was. And I was just chatting to them normally, like, oh hi, what do you do? Mm. And they were like, oh well I do this. And I'm like, oh great. Yeah. Well well done you. Yeah. yeah. You know. At least you asked. <laughs> Some people who, who've got big followings don't even care what you do. They're too yeah. they just want you to know what they do. Yeah. <laughs> so at least they are, so that would be good. But yeah, you, I try not get caught up in that. That's kind of like this um sorry about the dog that's okay <laughs> very excited this um we put on so much emotion attached to the outcome so if you post something on social media if you've attached emotions to the outcome of that post so how many likes how many followers mm-hmm. whether anyone's commented you're setting yourself up for a fall because you can't manage that situation that is what it is you're not in control of that no so it's even like today and next week oh my god next week i've got a photo shoot for this magazine and they they've sent me an email saying what's your clothes size and everything and i'm like you better not put me in a big flowery frock because that's not going to work for me so i messaged back like okay think more pink than britney because (laughs) i can't wear any of that but um Rather than getting all caught up in, oh my God, what if they they don't like this podcast? What if they don't like what I'm saying? What if I, I'm thinking, my God, what an amazing experience for me to have. Where it goes beyond this is where it goes beyond this. Yeah. But right now, I'm excited to have the opportunity to do this and to do the photo shoot and do, do the things that I'm doing. That's where it stops for me. But I've had to learn to cut that off. Yeah. The expectation of the outcome. Because that you are wasting energy and time and emotion on something you have absolutely no control over. So it's all, again, about making peace with yourself and choosing to not be nervous, be excited, but enjoy the experience that's coming into your life. Yeah, that's really good advice, Lauren. Thank you so much for being my guest today. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you. Bless you. Um, And hopefully we didn't kind of delve too deep into the whole Instagram world to the point where it feels a bit abstract to people listening, hopefully. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Yeah, thank you so much, Lauren. Oh, you're welcome, my love. Massive thanks to Lauren for being my guest. Isn't she brilliant? And I love how straight talking she is. Thanks to you for listening. And if you'd like to, you can rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. But goodbye from me until next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to Quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.